1: time of year. If you are a fan of the Sacramento Kings, it is an annual ritual. It is the NBA draft lottery a little bit later today. And today's podcast, we'll talk a lot about that. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you. And if you happen to have an emergency in the middle of the night, no problem. New Works will be there with their 24-7 service. For all of your plumbing needs and repairs, Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-plumbing.com. So the NBA Draft Lottery is tonight. It is the 38th annual, and for the Sacramento Kings, they will be making their 27th appearance. Think about that. 27th appearance for the Sacramento Kings in the lottery. It has become an annual ritual it's like the first Saturday in May is the Kentucky Derby. Well, you also know that on a Tuesday in May, it's the NBA Draft Lottery and it's the Sacramento Kings who will be one of the teams that did not make the playoffs. How about that? 27th appearance in the Draft Lottery tonight. Can you believe that? And you know what all started for the Sacramento Kings back in 1985? That was the year that they moved from Kansas City to Sacramento. And do you know who the Kings selected with the sixth overall pick? By the way, the Kings were slated to get the fourth pick. But as Sacramento Kings luck would have it, they fell back to six. And they didn't take the mailman, Carl Malone, because they already had Otis Thorpe. And so the Kings' first ever draft pick was that of Joe Klein out of Arkansas. That's right, 1985, the Kings had no idea that being in the NBA draft lottery would probably pretty much be an every-year thing. How about this? They weren't in the draft lottery in 86. You want to know why? The Kings made the playoffs the first year they moved from Kansas City. They got swept in the first round by the Rockets. 1987, the Sacramento Kings selected the All-American point guard out of North Carolina. Kenny Smith, who now is the main man with Charles and Shaq and Ernie Johnson on TNT. That's right, Kenny Smith taken sixth overall in 1987. The Kings were slated to get the fifth pick, but as the Sacramento Kings' luck would show early on, they fell back a spot and took Kenny Smith. 1989, the ping pong balls made it the right way. The Kings actually moved up. Five spots. The only problem was in 1989, there was not a potential number one pick. There was Purvis Ellison. There was Sean Elliott. There was Stacey King, just to mention a few. And so what did the Kings do? Bill Russell selected Purvis Ellison, number one overall. That's right. 1989, nervous Purvis Ellison. Purvis had all kinds of feet problems, and for a number one pick, he ended up being pretty much a bust. That's right. The Kings luck, when they get the number one pick, there's not a stud in the draft. Although Sean Elliott had a very good career, but you know what I'm saying. There wasn't a Tim Duncan in the draft. There wasn't a LeBron James in the draft. We can go on and on. All right? Let's move forward one year. 1990. You remember that year? You remember the L train, Lionel Simmons, when the Kings selected him seventh overall? Do you remember that pick of the L train, Lionel Simmons? The Kings also had three other picks that year. They had Travis Mays. They had Dwayne Coswell. And they had Anthony Bonner. And so the new Kings were going to be on the move in 1990. That's right. The Kings took... The L-Train, Lionel Simmons. And for those of you that don't remember the L-Train because of your age or you weren't a Kings fan at that time, he was a pretty good player. Uh, he had knee injuries, which hampered his career. But all in all, he was a pretty good player that the Kings selected in 1990. Let's move on to 1991. The Kings were supposed to get the third pick, and they got the third pick. And who did they take? Billy Owens, who had the heart the size of an olive. Billy Owens was as talented as pretty much any player that I had seen come into the NBA, but he didn't have the drive, he didn't have the desire, he didn't have the heart, and the Kings, of course, ended up making one of the great trades in Sacramento Kings history when they traded Billy Owens to the Golden State Warriors for the Rock, Mitch Richmond, and then, of course, Mitch ended up turning in the Chris Webber. So, you know, when you think about the impact, In 1991, that Billy Owens had, uh, it was pretty incredible. 1992, the Kings dropped one in the draft. They went in the lottery from sixth to seventh, and they took the wizard, Walt Williams, out of Maryland. Funny story about some of these years. I know this is hard to believe, but the Kings, instead of sending a representative to be at the draft table in New York. All right? Again, you can't make this up. My dad and my brother, for two of three of the drafts back then, in I believe it was 89, 90, and 91, they manned the phones, and they were on national TV as the representative for the Sacramento Kings because the Kings did not want to spend the money to travel a uh legitimate team representative to New York. So back then, if you remember, the general manager or whomever would uh, make the pick and they would call to the table. And so they would call, my dad would answer the phone and they would say, we are drafting Billy Owens. And so my dad would write down on the card, Billy Owens, and hand it in to the NBA. And David Stern would walk up onto the stage and say, with the third pick, in the 1991 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Billy Owens. And I kidded my dad for years after. I go, Dad, you know, you should have changed the name on these picks. You know, the Kings might have been good a lot sooner than they were. But that's, uh, that's another memory that I had uh, from those years in the NBA draft. And I was back there covering the draft for uh, Channel 31. Matter of fact, I remember interviewing Purvis Ellison in New York, and I remember interviewing Walt Williams, and I remember flying back on the plane, uh, the flight that we had to catch, because Walt had a press conference the next day, and I got to know Walt pretty well, and to this day, uh, always love when I can talk to uh, the wizard, uh, Walt Williams, who was taken, by the way, in 1992, the year after Billy Owens. The Kings, again, fell one spot in the lottery. They were slated for sixth, and instead they ended up being number seven, and they took the wizard, Walt Williams. We move to 1993. The Kings, again, end up getting screwed in the lottery. They had the fourth worst record. They fell three spots, and once again, they came up with the number seven pick, and they took Bobby Hurley out of Duke. We'll never know how Bobby Hurley would have turned out as an NBA player, and I'll never forget this, in... That year, being at a station Christmas party, I'll just, will never forget this, being at a Sunday night Christmas party, I think it was Sunday night, and the word got out that Bobby Hurley had been in a very severe car accident. And I remember leaving and going to the hospital, and we were all out in the parking lot of the hospital, We were not allowed to go into the hospital and the word was that Bobby Hurley was not going to survive this tragic accident. And had it not been for John Poplowski, who was a teammate of Bobby's, who was on the same dark road, Poe Ditch Road, back uh, next to Arco, there was nothing there. There were just fields and they called it Poe Ditch and... Bobby got broadsided and literally got ejected from his driver's seat through the door on the passenger side and ended up lying against a ditch. So he was kind of upright. And John Poplowski got there and he did not move Bobby. Had he moved Bobby, Bobby would have died before he could have ever arrived to the hospital. And the emergency technician that was at the hospital had just finished a course specializing in the exact type of injury that bobby had which was life threatening now bobby had a multiple a multitude of injuries but the one that was life threatening this doctor was able to recognize diagnose and bobby went into a very lengthy surgical procedure was obviously alive when he came out of surgery, although many did not think he would make it through surgery, and was in the hospital for some time. And there's that picture of Bobby coming out in a wheelchair, all battered and just looked awful, but he was alive. And I'll never forget when Bobby joined the Kings at some point on a road trip. We were in Phoenix, and it was myself, And I think Chuck Peterson, the owner of Folsom Lake Ford, and one other person. And we went golfing, and Bobby came with us. And Bobby was still so weak, and I'll never forget that Bobby just wanted to be with us and hang out with us. And now Bobby, the head coach of the Arizona State men's basketball team, and has done a great job. But if it was not for John Poplowski, number one, being on that road, okay, on his way home after the game, and... Had it not been for... Because there was a game that Sunday night, and then I went from the game to the Christmas party, and then we found out about Bobby's accident. But had John Poplowski not been on that road, number one, or had he moved Bobby in any way, Bobby would have died right there on the side of the road. So we really will never know whether that would have been a good pick for the Sacramento Kings in 1993. But what we do know is... Bobby Hurley is alive and well, and that's the important thing. And I got to know Bobby pretty well, and he's a very special, special individual. 1994, the Kings, supposed to be the eighth pick, and they come up number eight in 1994, and they take Brian Graham. And Brian was really a guy that helped get the Kings into the playoffs two years later, and then would end up going to Portland and sign a big deal And Brian is someone that I've also gotten very close to and is battling Parkinson's disease. And I've had him on the radio several times. Um, Guy played tough, physical basketball. And that actually was a good pick for the Kings in 1994. Then in 1995, big, nasty, Corliss Williamson. Kings were supposed to be 13th and they ended up 13. And they took the multiple All-American out of Arkansas. Tremendous pick because he would end up again coming back to Sacramento. He ended up being the sixth man of the year on a championship team in Detroit. Big nasty, great human being, very good player, and the Kings very fortunate to call out his name. So the Kings made the playoffs in 96. You remember that? The first round matchup with the number one seed, Seattle Supersonics, the Kings won game two. And to this day, it's the most excited, the most amazing moment that I've ever experienced at that Arco Arena back in 96. But in 97, they didn't make the playoffs and they took Olivier Saint-Jean, who later became Tariq Abdul-Wahed. Athletic as all heck, but didn't really have a love for the game and had a makeshift career. He ended up being the 11th pick in the 97 draft. 1998 is when the Sacramento Kings fortunes changed. They signed Blady Divac to a six-year deal as a free agent from Charlotte. They traded Mitch Richmond for Chris Weber, and they drafted a kid out of Florida by the name of Jason Williams. That's right. White Chocolate was on his way to Sacramento with the seventh overall pick, and the Kings became the darlings of the NBA overnight. And you know what? That was the last time we would hear the Sacramento Kings name in the NBA lottery because they went from 1998 and they wouldn't be heard again in the lottery until 2007. How about that? That's right. All those playoff runs, eight consecutive playoffs for Rick Adaman. And then in 2007, the Kings selected with the 10th overall pick, Spencer Hawes. And the fans love Spencer Then they hated Spencer because of uh, him wanting the Kings to move to Seattle. And if Spencer were to walk into the Golden One Center and be introduced, they would boo him out of the arena. I love Spencer. Got to know him very well. Big fan of his. Uh, And, you know, listen, I know a lot of people were upset with the pick, but all in all, he had a pretty decent uh, NBA career. And what are you going to do, right? I mean, they had the 10th pick in the draft. Then in 2008, the Kings selected Jason Thompson with the seventh overall pick in the draft. Jason played many years in Sacramento and then played in Golden State. Uh, Again, just another one of those phenomenal human beings. Maybe not as good of a player as the Kings were hoping for. Not a bad player, but, you know, he was okay. I mean, he was okay. I I, I like Jason Thompson. I enjoyed covering him. And again, a great human being. 2009, the Kings were supposed to end up with the number one pick in the draft. They had the worst record in the NBA at 17-65, and 65, but they fell through spots to number four, and guess who they took? They took Tyreek Evans, and they took a guy that ended up being rookie of the year and had a good career, but that was his swan song of his career that first season in Sacramento. That was the Steph Curry draft, as we all know. The Kings took Tyreek Evans, and the rest is history. A year later, the Kings were the third worst team in the NBA. They fell two spots to number five, and they drafted DeMarcus Cousins, who became a multiple all-star, and then was shipped to New Orleans. I'll never forget doing the show in Sacramento with my co-host at the time, Mike Lamb. And Mike said, there's no way in the world I'm taking DeMarcus Cousins. He has too many red flags. And boy, was Mike Lamb ever right. 2011, the Kings select with the fifth overall pick. Excuse me. They were supposed to get the fifth overall pick. Instead, it fell to seven. They took Bismack Biombo. The Kings made a trade in 2011. And then in 2012, another horrible, awful, horrendous draft pick. This would be the first of many right in a line. Thomas Robinson taking fifth overall, big time bust. I'll never forget going to summer league in Las Vegas and Bobby Jackson were coaching the team and Bobby came right up to me and goes, Thomas Robinson can't play. I go, What do you mean he can't play? He goes, I'm telling you, bro, he can't play. I'm like, Yay, yeah, Ken, what do you mean he can't play? He goes, I'm just telling you right now, the guy can't play. I mean that's that's two days into Las Vegas summer league. Bobby Jackson's telling me that Thomas Robinson can't play. And boy, was he ever right! What a bust Thomas Robinson was. 2013, the Kings dropped one spot from six to seven. They took Ben McLemore out of Kansas, and Ben still playing in the NBA. To his credit, never really found his stroke or his rhythm in Sacramento, and it's kind of just that—a journeyman type of a guy. 2014, the video of Vivek Ranadive wanting uh, Nick Stauskas in the draft room. Nick Stauskas taken eighth. The Kings were the seventh-worst record in the NBA, and Nick obviously ended up being the wrong pick for the Kings. 2015, the Kings' sixth-worst record, sixth pick overall. They take Willie Cauley-Stein, and Willie's okay. You know, not not great, not bad. I mean, could have they done better in that draft? Yeah, of course they could have. Yes, they could have. Uh, 2016, the Kings' eighth. They draft Marquise Chris. Uh, They make the trade with the Phoenix Suns. They also get, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich in that deal. And, of course, that ended up being a real positive move for Sacramento, only to lose Bogey a couple of years later as an unrestricted free agent. All right. In 2017, the Kings pick went to the Boston Celtics. And that pick, guess who that ended up being? Cover your ears. Cover your ears. Jason Tatum. Yep. Yep. That's right. That pick ended up going to the Celtics. Jason Tatum. All right, let's move on. 2018, the Kings' seventh worst record in the league. They get lucky. They get the second overall pick. Who are they going to take? Are they going to take Luka Doncic? Is he going to be on the board? Is Phoenix going to take Luka? Or are they going to take DeAndre Ayton? Are the Kings going to take Luka? Or are they going to take Marvin Bagley? You know who they really wanted to take? They want they they loved Michael Porter Jr. Absolutely loved him. But his back made it really... You couldn't draft Michael Porter Jr. at number two. But they loved Porter Jr. Had it not been for the back, that's who the Kings would have taken. Still would have made a mistake. Luka would have been the guy. But Phoenix didn't take Luka. Atlanta didn't take Luka. The Kings end up taking Marvin Bagley where he's now a member of the Detroit Pistons. 2019, the Kings' 14th worst record, 39-43. and 43. The pick goes to Boston. They take Romeo Langford, And then the Kings with two excellent picks back-to-back. 2020, 12th worst record in the league. They draft 12, Tyrese Halliburton. Kestad that is now turned into DeMontis Sabonis. And then last year, another really good pick, ninth overall, Davion Mitchell. What's going to happen tonight in the 27th lottery for the Sacramento Kings? How about that? 27th time the Sacramento Kings are in the NBA lottery. And as you say, you just can't make that up. How embarrassing is that? To be in the NBA draft lottery all those years from 2007 all the way up to present and before that, with the exception of, of course, that 1996 season where the Kings ended up making the playoffs, so they didn't have a draft pick uh, in the lottery. But how about that? Tonight, the Sacramento Kings will be represented by DeMontis Sabonis for the 27th time. And I believe they'll be in the lottery again next year. And I think it will be very likely they will be in the lottery two years from now. But certainly, I don't see how they're not going to be in the lottery next year. When I look at the teams in the West. So I just thought today on the podcast, we'd look back again. I'm not making that story up of my dad and my brother being at the table in New York at the NBA draft lottery because the Kings didn't want to pay to fly someone all the way to New York, pay for the hotel, the airfare and everything else. So they had my brother and my father. They go, when that phone rings, you answer it. All right. And you write down the name. (laughs) That was their job. I remember one time the lottery was at the uh, Jacob Javits Center. We were there once, and I believe the other time, although I wouldn't swear on it, I believe we were at uh, Madison Square Garden. But, you know, as I said, you just cannot make stories up like that. So will the Kings get lucky tonight? Nah, I don't know. I personally think if the Kings do get lucky, they're going to trade their pick because they can't wait to develop another player. They need to get better, and they need to get better in a hurry. So time will tell tonight. Once again, the Sacramento Kings represented in the NBA Draft Lottery. It is now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. Sam wants to know what sport is the hardest to referee. I think they're all hard. You know, try calling balls and strikes in baseball. Uh, but you asked me, so I'll answer. I think the NBA is the hardest sport to officiate. I think you could call a foul on pretty much every play. So I'll just say, Sam, that I think the NBA is the hardest sport to officiate. I know NFL officials would disagree. I know hockey officials might disagree, but I I would say the NBA. Zach wants to know, do I think Trevor Bauer should sue the MLB? I think he should do what he feels uh, is best for him. I can't make that decision for him. Spencer wants to know, was that Chris Paul's last chance to win a title? I believe it was. I believe it was his best chance to get a ring. I don't think it's happening. You know, and again, Chris Paul's not a young pup. So, yeah, Spencer, I think it probably was his last chance. David asks, does Drew Brees play again? I don't think so, David, and I hope not. I I really do, but, you know, maybe he's inspired watching Tom Brady. I don't know, uh, but I'll say no. I know the rumors are out there, uh, but I will uh, say no. Zach wants to know, was it a good move for the Golden Knights to fire uh, Pete DeBoer? I, I, I was a little skeptical of it um but i also know missing the playoffs was very painful for the owner bill foley uh they're not necessarily blaming de they wanted to go in a different direction and uh, he'll get a job peter will be back he'll be back behind a bench in the national hockey league i wouldn't be surprised if he's back coaching uh next year as a matter of fact i would be surprised if he's not back Coaching next year. All right, Dominic wants to know, who would you bet on winning the NBA title? Right now, I'd give a slight edge to Boston. Slight edge. So I don't bet, but you asked me, so I, I would go there. I would go there. Ian wants to know, have you seen the lawsuit the Giants and Jets have received for representing New York? I haven't. I just think it's such a shame that people don't have anything better to do in their lives than filing a suit uh, against the Giants and the Jets because they play seven miles from Midtown Manhattan, but technically in New Jersey. You know what I say, Ian? Get a freaking life. Joe wants to know what's your take on the news the NFL considered moving the Raiders or Chargers to St. Louis. I wasn't surprised. It made sense. I mean, I, I was I actually thought it was going to happen. So I'm not really surprised by that, Joe. I'm really not. Aaron wants to know what would have to happen for European basketball to become more popular than the NBA. The NBA would have to go out of business, Aaron. That's what would have to happen. It's it's never, never going to happen. All right, that is our Q&A. Thanks to CrowdUltra.com. Again, just go to CrowdUltra.com. Give me a question, and maybe I'll answer it on next week's podcast.
0: It's time
1: for Grant's Friends. Today's rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company, audio, video, and home theater. Just go online, hometheatercompany.com. Well, yesterday, Patrick Beverly of the Minnesota Timberwolves was on ESPN's first take and had a lot of criticism towards Chris Paul of the Phoenix Suns. Well, Matt Barnes, he had something to say about this. Quote, there's a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. How about Matt Barnes? Freaking Matt Barnes. Calling someone disrespectful and out of the line. Really? Go look at Matt Barnes' arrest record. Go look at Matt Barnes' suspensions and fines in the NBA. And you're going to tell me that Matt Barnes should be talking about someone being disrespectful and out of the line? Here's something else. Because Patrick Beverly is black and he's criticizing a black athlete, it's just now out of the line. But if a white sportscaster such as Grant Napier criticizes DeMarcus Cousins or criticizes Matt Barnes for drinking Hennessy in the locker room and putting it on Instagram or getting into a brawl at a New York City nightclub before a game, it's racist. It's not disrespectful Oh, it's racist because a white person says it. Matt, you're the clown show, not Patrick Beverly. Although Pat may be a clown too, but you're a bigger clown. How about the hypocrisy? How about the freaking joke Matt Barnes is? He is calling someone completely disrespectful and out of the line of all freaking people. That's Matt Barnes. Give me a freaking break. What an absolute joke. And that's my rant for today. And that's my podcast for today. I hope that you have a great rest of the day. And as always, thank you for joining me here. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. So long, everybody.